Hi, my name is Mattia Murray, and welcome to The Longer Road. You are on The Longer Road if you have multiple intersectional identities that are often marginalized. You've had to work harder to get to the starting line, and you might feel behind. I'm here to provide hope, support, and practical tips, and to let you know that you're not alone. Welcome. Today, I have a topic that I actually was not really expecting to get to, but my guest next week was talking about timelines in such an interesting way, and it reminded me of basically a conversation I wanted to have about how I experience timelines and manifesting. And I'm laughing because I've joked that I should write a book called Manifesting for Non-Believers about the reticular activating system and confirmation bias and some of the elements in psychology studies where, for example, it's not that successful people are happy, it's that happy people are successful. And to me, one of the things I immediately think is, well, people who grow up rich and have a trust fund, it's easier for them to access the things that make one happy, etc. <laughs> so anyway, there's this whole world. I basically think of manifesting and the new age language around it as metaphor and not as literally true. And at the same time, I do think it's touching on some things that have basis in fact. And then you also know if you listened to my episode about reality uh, a few episodes ago, that also we just don't really know what's going on and our physical human systems may not be capable of perceiving what the actual fabric reality of reality looks like. So all of that said, I'm excited that next week I have Lynn Regala here. When we recorded some of the things she said, I just, I knew I wanted to preface some of it with my own thoughts, basically. And this stuff about timelines, I just think is really, really fascinating because it does appear in physics that multiverse is a thing. Probably not in the Marvel movie sense, but there are these other universes and universes are actually created quite easily possibly in black holes. So anyway, it's there's a whole fascinating world of physics around that if you're interested. And I think metaphor and story and the stories we tell ourselves and the things we tell ourselves can make our lives a lot better. So that's really why I'm making this episode. Again, it's not about is this the most true thing? Is this the most true frame or way of putting it? It's really just is there a version of this story that's useful for you and that makes you feel better. And it's totally fine if that story changes over time. So that's my approach for myself. I'm very open-ended to different interpretations. And I do have a take on it that I haven't heard anyone else say exactly. I think that in this metaphor of manifesting, you have two basic options. One, you can be in complete certainty that the thing will happen. And I'm going to go into that more. It's this, depending on how you envision it, either being able to see it clearly or feel it clearly, you know what this reality is and it's easy to pull it toward you. Or if that's not happening and you're having trouble seeing that or grasping it, I think the second option is being willing to become the person 
who does that thing. And not just being willing, but actively surrendering to this process of change over and over and over, even if you don't know what it looks like. And I've heard people say both of those things, but I've never really heard people talk about how both of those are pulling a timeline toward you. And I've also never heard them directly contrasted with each other as like the main two ways of manifesting. I think most people who talk about law of attraction stuff talk about the first one, that you have to be in certainty, be in this feeling. I do think that that's one way that it works. And then there's also this other side, which is actually a little bit more on the psychology side that, you know, you become the person who does the thing, finds the thing, whatever it is. Okay. I am going to use an outrageously silly example. So I'm on testosterone and I'm on very low dose and I have been on a low dose so that my voice would do what I wanted it to do and not have problems. I'm very, very happy with it. I'm also naturally blonde and I do have one brother and he has never really had a great beard, you know, it's, it's there, it exists, but I just feel like blonde beards are kind of weird. (laughs) Apologies to my blonde trans mask listeners. I know there are a couple of you. I actually think your beards look great. So here's the thing. I was sitting there and I was just sort of poking at, you know, the eight little hairs on my chin that are darker and longer. And, uh, I, I just had this thought, oh no, I'm gonna love my little beard, aren't I? And this is just hilarious. Cause I feel like every trans mask person does this. They're like, oh no, I don't need a beard. And then as soon as it starts to be there, they're like, mm, I love it. <laughs> and like touching it. I'm literally touching my chin right now. Okay. So what do I mean by this very, very silly example? Obviously there are timelines in which the testosterone causes me to grow facial hair thick enough that I could actually call it something, which it is not yet. And I actually keep it and I grow it into a little beard. This may feel like a weird example to use for manifesting because it appears that I'm in full control of it, but I'm really not actually. I mean, the hair has to grow first and I have no control over what that looks like or you know, I could let it grow up now and I think I would hate it. So really when I had this image when I had this image of me with a little beard, just like playing with it. So that was what the image was. There was also this feeling attached to it of being very happy and just enjoying and loving this sensory experience, which is funny because I often find beards on other people hard to touch. But I just had this feeling that like, oh, I would love this sensory experience. I would, I would feel gender euphoria. I could just imagine this scenario around it where I was happy and enjoying it and just having this pleasure. And that's an example of that first way that I think about manifesting and the way that most people talk about it, this being in complete certainty because only me wanting that and being able to imagine it is what would actually pull that timeline toward me. If, for example, I could not picture any world in which I would enjoy having a little beard. (laughs) It's just, I'm sorry, this is so silly. Uh, If I could not imagine enjoying that life and you know, I was focused on the annoying parts of it, or I just, you know, was very dedicated to shaving There are so many other timelines where that just never happens and I never really let it happen. And part of the reason I picked such a small example is because this 
does not have a huge effect on my life, right? This is not as important as many of the other large changes, large choices that I will be making. But if I just didn't have a strong vision about the little beard either way, and I kind of felt, uh, you know, I could, I could imagine it, but it's not strong. There's no real feeling attached to it. And I'm not really like drawing that reality toward me at all. And again, I think of this as metaphor, but I think it's a useful metaphor. The other way that I would get there, that I would end up in that timeline or one of those timelines where I have this little beard is if I continue to be open to changing, which transition is, <laughs> which is again, why this example came to mind. I'm in a process of changing that I don't have control over. If I continue to take testosterone, which I plan to, I'm essentially surrendering over and over to becoming whatever that does to my genetics and biology. I don't get to pick and choose what the effects are from it. And while I love most of them, I'm sure most people on hormones would love to be able to pick and choose, but it's, we're not there. Certainly with the technology, we just put it in there and it does what it does. And if I were totally unwilling to surrender to that process, I wouldn't be on testosterone, or maybe I would be on an even lower dose that was sort of technically a maintenance dose, but not causing any more changes. And that would not allow for the timeline in which I would end up growing an actual beard because it has been, I think five years and I definitely don't have a beard. So it's been a low dose. <laughs> the reason I think of it in terms of timelines, I don't think in terms of branching timelines, even though that may be the reality of the physics of how it works. I don't know. One thing I experience is that when I have this just true ping experience, vision, whatever you want to call it, this potential future moment that just feels like it's absolutely going to happen. It feels like it's collapsing time. And again, this is metaphoric, but it's also how the human brain works. <laughs> it's how we experience story and right. We're always in the present moment, but that's not our conscious mind's experience. We are thinking about the past and the future so much. Those technically aren't real. We could call those hallucinations. It could be that thinking about anything outside the present moment is a hallucination or witchcraft or, <laughs> you know, we don't usually talk about it in these terms because we're very accustomed to this way that our brain works. But really, we only have the present moment. And when I have this clear, beautiful, intense feeling that this future thing is now, like it's, I'm having the experience now, it really does feel like I'm collapsing time into that timeline. And part of the reason I like that is because of the practical psychology behind that around goal setting, it's usually not particularly effective to just make a goal that you have no emotional connection to because the emotions are one of the keys to the unconscious and you need the unconscious to be on board if you're going to do anything that's uncomfortable or new or a stretch or a change. And when you have the experience of this future vision, or as I think of it, collapsing time into this new timeline, you now have two things. One, you have a feeling that's strong enough that you can actually work with and that can get your unconscious on board. And two, 
you often can get useful clues. You can sort of work backwards to figure out what you might need to do to make that thing happen. And of course, when I talk about manifesting, I mean the thing happens eventually, not you lay there and the universe causes everything to happen around you. That could be fun too, I don't know, but I'm, you know, more on the practical side of what can we actually do about this. So again, using this metaphor of the way I think about the timelines, if you can't hook into the feeling, if you're trying to imagine this thing and there's just nothing there, you're not getting a clear image or feeling or message or it's just not gelling or the other way that it feels to me is like it's like there are multiple possibilities and my brain is just sort of flitting between them kind of like it hasn't decided yet it doesn't know what it wants and that's okay by the way but for this particular practice if you can't hook into it if it's not clear it's not yet a true timeline for you and it's possible to force otherwise But in my experience, the unconscious is not on board when it's not a full body decision. And I assume you know what I mean. If you've made a full body yes or a full body no to anything ever, when you do that, you have this sureness, this certitude, you know that this is the right choice. When you have that feeling deep in your body and your whole body is on board, it's very easy to take the next step. It's very easy to, even if it's a big complex thing, to at least be excited or interested in figuring out what comes next, even if it feels a little bit big or overwhelming. And I think a great example of this is when you land on something, when you learn something and you just know that this is the path you want to go on. It's a perfect example because it's a timeline issue, right? You learn about a new career, a new degree program. You meet someone that's telling you about this amazing opportunity. Those are all sort of job and career related, but it is what came to mind that when you hear about something and you're like, oh my God, I had no idea that this even existed. Or you find out about a new way of being as a person. That's the broader category that all of those fit into. You learn about something that you just know is a path that you want to follow. That timeline is true for you and you are stepping into it immediately, even if you don't know what the journey is. So that's kind of an in-between example, I guess, because you don't know how it's going to happen. You just know that this is for you and you're stepping into it. And that gets into this category of surrender, I've had a very interesting relationship with the word surrender because of growing up in a weird religious environment where it was used as a weapon, honestly. And it took me a while to come back to it because essentially I realized for myself, and again, you can draw your own conclusions and use whatever words feel good for you. For myself, pretending that I had a lot more control than I did doesn't really feel good in the long term. For me, it was very much attached to perfectionist tendencies and disordered eating and all kinds of things that just were not working for my mental health because I had this feeling of separation and like I needed to do everything myself. And even if 
there is absolutely nothing out there helping us or right. All of this stuff is imaginary, which I'm also very open to. It is still comforting to me to continue to surrender to one thing I think of is the highest good. So if something's not working out for me, I'm getting a rejection or, you know, something I'm trying to do is not working and I'm failing. It feels a lot better to me to surrender that and say, I just, I want this to work out for the highest good. That's one way that I use this. I've also used surrender personally a lot around relationships that again, feel like they're not working or where I think the other person is behaving badly. I can't change them, right? And it's painful and a waste of time to try. And that's actually talking more broadly about surrendering around external factors. But another perspective on that is I'm surrendering the version of me that is upset by this thing not working out the way that this version of me believes that it should work out. And I'm thinking about my early composition career because I now consider myself a mid-career composer. Those first 10 years were kind of rough, even though I did have some good things happen and I did get into a good grad school. The both number and percentage of rejections was really upsetting at the time. I remember feeling like, but I'm good at this. I know I'm good at this. People keep telling me I'm good at this. Why do I only get rejections? And that's actually not an exaggeration. There was a period of time where I was rejected for every grant and funding I applied to until I eventually co-applied with my still collaborator, Pompey. That was the first grant of that kind that I had gotten. And since then, once you have that on your resume, it starts to pick up, right? There's this upward spiral effect. People look and go, oh, you're already succeeding, so we'll give you more stuff. And by the way, yes, that I think ties into most people's experience of manifesting and the law of attraction is that they're already doing well and people want to give them more stuff. Anyway, (laughs) I remember the frustration was the difference between what I thought should be happening and what was actually happening. I believed that my success should be easier and that I should have been getting more opportunities, making more money as a composer and winning things, right? Because a lot of the ways in which it's set up is that you're applying to competitions, basically. And for example, I've applied to multiple competitions where there were hundreds or more than a thousand applications for one to three slots. So it's very, very competitive. And it's interesting because looking back, I'm actually really grateful that it took a little longer for my career to spool up because I did learn some really important emotional and artistic lessons as a part of that entire journey. And I actually know people who did win big awards really young, like early 20s. And over the course of a career, I'm sure it'll be totally fine, but sometimes it's overwhelming when you're that young and Sometimes it locks your artistic development in place for a while because you feel like you need to recreate that sound that you were creating. Totally depends on the person, but to weave this back in with this idea of surrender and becoming, I wasn't becoming a person who doesn't get rejected all the time. I still get rejected 95% of the time, if not more, 
for things that I apply to. That sounds about right. (laughs) But I am happy about it now. It feels like part of the process. So not too much changed in the exterior world, in the actual circumstances. I'm still getting rejected all the time as an artist. I've just become a person who thinks that's normal and okay and fine. And if anything, I'm happy about it because it means I'm producing work and I'm putting it out there. And if I never produce work and I never put it out there, there is no way I will ever win anything or get anything performed, right? So because I was open to becoming a person that has this experience of being a career composer, I drew that timeline to myself. And that's actually probably the only thing for me that I've ever felt this strongly for this long, was that I I knew that I was a composer and that this was what I wanted to do with my life. Even though, obviously, I do other things, I have other interests, music is my thing. So I had that complete certainty that at some point I was going to be a composer that wrote stuff I was proud of, and I had that willingness to become the person who pulls that toward me. And all of that has given me, given my unconscious, the motivation that it needs to keep plugging away even when the commissions aren't coming in or they are, but they're very small amounts of money and not enough to live on, which is actually more how it's been on and off recently. Trying to call in or create a timeline that feels very different from where you are now, one that you just are having trouble attaching to emotionally, if it feels very far from where you are now, it is possible, but it means you are the one who must eventually become the person who created it. And that might be a very big shift. Sometimes it doesn't feel as big if it's happening gradually, but most people like to experience themselves as an individual unit, a single psyche, having a very consistent experience. Whether or not that's actually true, eh, I don't know that it is, but I do think that's what most people like to believe their experience is. If you don't want that change, if you don't want to become a new person, if you don't want to look back and go, oh, wow, I'm so grateful that these experiences changed me in this way. If you don't want that, stop yanking on that timeline that's so different from where you are now. If you want to stay who you are and not change, which I think is impossible, but you know, if you want to basically stay the same and not have any big changes, then I think in order to create or pull in these new timelines in order to manifest in this way of of drawing timelines to you, you have to be able to experience that certainty because you have to have a picture. Again, it doesn't have to be a literal picture. When I close my eyes, I see nothing. This is more of a feeling state for me. But you have to be able to experience what this future is in order to even figure out, take the steps to get there and have your unconscious be on board so that you will actually do it. This is what I mean about, I think, these two things being the two main options for creating any big thing in your life, but especially anything that feels really different. If you want something that feels very, very different from your current timeline, if you want to draw in a very different timeline, as I see it, you have these two basic options. One, be in complete certainty that it will happen and be able to see it clearly or feel it clearly that you know what that end result looks like that you're moving toward. Or two, be willing to surrender and 
absolute fuck ton as a practice, as a daily practice, just over and over and over to be open to becoming who you need to be to create it. They both have very similar and overlapping mechanisms. However, the first I think is what most people think manifesting is or should be, but more importantly, it's the experience that they want because they want that certainty and that delight that you get when that image just snaps clear or that feeling is just so, so clear. That's the experience people want. The latter process, it's kind of like the butterfly thing, right? Where butterflies in a cocoon literally dissolve down into total goop. They completely dissolve and then they become a new creature. Even though they are technically life cycles of the same creature, it breaks down and becomes something completely different out of the materials. And as a human, that process of becoming soup and then reforming feels fucking awful. We don't have societal support for it. We don't have cultural or ritual support for it. I say we, I mean the culture I came out of. There are definitely cultures in the world that still do provide support for big changes, but certainly the American culture I'm in, you're supposed to figure it out as quickly as possible and then just be a little worker bee forever. And I don't think the answer here, at least for me, the answer here is not to only call in timelines that I can perfectly imagine because I know there are amazing things out there I haven't heard of yet or people I haven't met yet. I don't know what's going to happen. And even though the prospect of becoming soup and reforming is a little bit scary, I've also done it before, you know, coming out of the church, coming out multiple times, elements of transition have felt like that. And I've had other emotional experiences that have felt like that. So I kind of feel like this has happened a number of times. And being actively open to it, feeling like I'm an active participant, actively consenting to the process and saying, yes, I want to become the next version of me. I want to evolve into the next version of me. That's how I approach all self-help for myself personally at this time. It is not about fixing anything that's broken about me. It's just evolving into the next version of me and loving myself as I am now, loving them as they are in that future timeline that we create together. The last point I want to make here really could be an entire episode on its own, I imagine. With these ways of creating or drawing a timeline toward you, a lot of the language around manifesting is about you making it happen. And I love the teacher Tosha Silver. I've talked about her before. She talks about surrender a lot. And I know she would agree with me that it's kind of the only option in, in a certain sense because the feeling that we're in control and that we're making things happen from everything I know about physics, about habits and autopilot and the unconscious in psychology, and about everything I'm talking about today, this sort of metaphorical framework for how the multiverse ha may happen or ways that it may happen from our perspective. From everything I know about all of those things, control is an illusion. The feeling that we're in control is an illusion. However, there are parts of our system that need to feel it somewhat in order to feel safe. So that's why I love all these extended metaphors, storytelling, creating 
how we want to envision reality because it can give that part of the system enough safety that it can sit down and stop trying to drive the bus. So I want to stop thinking of all of this as an active process of making things happen because really either you're being handed a knowing or a really clear dream or you're surrendering and allowing deep change. And either way, you are the book being read. Even if it's comforting to think of yourself as the author or the creator, the world you create through perception is not the finished object in inert book form. It's more like the process of a reader losing themselves in the story and creating their own entire experience of it. You're allowed to think of yourself as in control or totally out of control or whatever level is the most comforting to you because I think most people land somewhere in the middle. But playing with that dial of your experience of control is a fascinating game and I think it can be very generative. It's certainly creatively generative for me. So when I'm calling in something new, becoming something new, and funnily enough, creating this podcast was an example of that for me. I knew that I wanted to put something out there. I knew I wanted to reach people and help people for free in a longer form format. And when I first made the decision that I was going to start moving toward making a podcast, I had a lot of big feelings about being public about taking up space. There were definitely confidence and social rejection issues coming up for me. There was a whole bunch of emotions around it. And I had to be willing to surrender over and over as a practice to becoming the person who was comfortable creating the podcast and creating it consistently, continuing to put it out there because I am committed to this. I am so much more comfortable and confident now, and this feels like nothing to just record this, do some light editing, and put it out there in a way that I actually couldn't imagine when I started. And I don't feel like I actively forced myself to change on that front. It really did feel more like I was just continuing to surrender the parts of that that were not aligned with that future timeline in which I was comfortable and confident. I really hope that this has been useful for you in some way, because I do feel like I could easily talk about this for four hours, and there's so much here, and honestly, I touched on but didn't really get into what I see as sort of the practical side of this, like what's actually happening in the human body, in the system, and how we all interact. But as a metaphor, as this larger story or myth of how new timelines are created and drawn to us, how we become who we want to become. I absolutely love this metaphor that I'm not the author. I'm not the book. The the world I'm creating is not the book. What I'm creating, the timeline I'm drawing toward me is the big, expansive, imaginative experience, the Again, almost hallucination when you read a book, right? This experience of this other world. That's what we're creating. We're creating the potential for this perception. We're drawing it toward us. And then whenever that time is collapsed, whenever that 
thing is actually happening in our experience of now, whether that's that big download image we receive, that that feeling of the future, or whether it's being so committed to it that we're down to become soup and reform. And we're just, you know, we're just like, okay, fine, I'll do that, even though I know it's not going to be the most pleasant necessarily, but I'm open to it because I care about this new timeline. When a reader is losing themselves in the story and creating their own experience of it, they can have such a beautiful, enormous, expansive, absorbing experience. And in a way, that thing becomes real for them in that moment. And that's how I think about what we're drawing toward us. Thanks for listening. I love you. I hope you have a great day. And if you have any thoughts on this topic, I would love to hear them. Here's to dreaming new timelines together. Thanks for listening. If you know someone who would be helped by this podcast, please share it with them. And I'd love to hear your thoughts and suggestions at Mattia at MattiaMarae.com. That's M-A-T-T-I-A at M-A-T-T-I-A-M-A-U-R-E-E dot com. Thank you.